thinking about that song about the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing that we have a name that is that powerful? Amen. And I, I was thinking, you know, we live in a day and age now where people are naming their kids all kinds of crazy names. I mean, like, I, for some reason, there's this trend, and if your kid is named after a fruit, I please don't be offended by me, but like, we're naming them apple and, you know, banana and squash and, and squash and fruit. I don't know, maybe what the best is. I'm not sure. But, you know, <laughs> in all the craziness, in fact, you can be seated. In fact, the other day, we were having a conversation about names, and we've got a dog named Dodger. And uh, uh, he, he's, a, he's a good dog. And uh, Grayson said, you know, if I had a horse, he said, I think I would name my horse Grilled Chicken. Okay, yeah, Grilled Chicken. London said she would name her horse Cheeseball. And so, um, not sure we're going to have two horses named Grilled Chicken and Cheeseball. But uh, it makes you appreciate the name of the Lord, amen, because that name is powerful, amen. I can speak that name in an instant. He's there, amen. At the mention of his name is what the Word tells us. And I'm so excited and, and, and glad that we live with that name, amen. All right, I want to dismiss our kids' city this morning, let them go to their class. And um, so good to have all of you here. If you are a first-time guest at Life City, we want to thank you for being here, and we are excited that you're here, and uh, it's our privilege and honor that you have come to worship with us and uh, spend your Sunday morning here at Life City, so welcome this morning, and uh, it's going to be a, be a good day. I want to thank the music team. Um, that led us in worship. They did a great job this morning. Man, it's, um, my wife is typically up there, um, but we're trying this, this uh, schedule to where I believe today um, was maybe one of the only times that she's been, that we've been in service that she hasn't been up here playing or singing or doing something. And so, I want to thank our team for giving her the opportunity just to kind of sit and, and worship and be part of the service. And that, that's good to have uh, a team like that. So, but uh, how's everybody? Good? Very good? Well, I'm so glad that you've come. Our, our series this month is messy. Anybody have a messy life? No, you know, I mean, it, it, it's all right. It's because it, all of our lives are messy. It's chaotic sometimes. Uh, but what we've been talking about this month is loving others isn't easy. Amen? But the only exception is this, your spouse. So if you're sitting by your spouse, look at your spouse and say, baby, loving you is easy. You had a hot water just then. I bet I did. So, um, you know, guys, it's probably easier for her to say that. Loving her is easy. Sometimes it's 
argue all the time that we just need to start speaking to each other. But uh, we've been talking about loving others. Last week we read from the Old Testament and how this social commandment that God spoke about loving your neighbor as yourself. And it's not just about loving them like, oh, I love you. It's about action, the act of love, uh, which is we talked about forgiving others as quickly as you forgive yourself, showing mercy and grace to others as much as you do yourself. And so that part is a little bit tough, is the forgiving part, right? Because as humans, we, well, as everybody here is human, as humans, we tend to hold on to things. You can hold on to a grudge, or they hurt me. 25 years ago, they hurt me. You know, and we can hold on to things. But if really what the Lord was talking about, said, if you'll forgive them as fast as you forgive yourself, he said, there is blessing there. There is promise there, miracles that can be released in your life. But today we're going to go from the New Testament, probably the most famous, popular uh, parable that Jesus spoke was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody know it? Okay, so um, it's referenced in a lot of different areas of life. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. We're going to look at a few verses. So bear with us. And behold, a lawyer, that's the first problem, stood up uh, to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Uh, the thing is, what, what we realize is, the reason Jesus asked that question was because lawyers in those times were, uh, you know how a lawyer today has to pass the bar? Uh, their version of the bar was they had to be an expert in the written and oral Torah, uh, or the Old Testament. They, they had to be an expert. And so Jesus uh, kind of responds to him with a question. He said, how do you read it? And um, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He kind of lumps everything up into two quick statements. And he said, you've answered correctly, Jesus, and you will live. And then Jesus, but he, uh, the lawyer desiring to justify himself, constantly, we, we need to be able to do that, to justify yourself. You're wrong, you're, you're wrong in some way. You're like, well, I did that because this. Spend more time justifying it than you do anything else. And he said to Jesus, Who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And that's the question we're going to focus on today. And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Kind of a long answer to that question that Jesus gave him here. And he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And then verse 31, he says, Now by chance a priest going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, about as far away from him as he could. Likewise, a Levite, another religious figure, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Again, far away. But a Samaritan. Now, it's interesting that Jesus used the Samaritan here because the Jews looked at the Samaritan like half-breed. And I'm not being racist, but they literally looked at him as half-breed. Um, they they spoke spiritually and physically. There, uh, anybody ever had a mutt dog? And they're like, well, what kind of dog is that? I don't know. You know, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. 
that's what, how the Jews looked at literally looked at the Samaritan as dog. They looked at him as just a lower class of human. And so, um, so that's kind of why Jesus was speaking to the Jewish lawyers and intelligent men, and he was using somebody who he thought was way below them. And, and Samaritan said, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him. Verse 34, he says, And he went to him, found it to be, pouring on oil and wine, and used what he had. He used his own spectrum. Okay? Remember that. Then he set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35. And the next day he took out two dinars, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever you more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus asked the lawyer a question. He said, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Verse 37, and he said, The one who showed him mercy, and Jesus said, You go and do likewise. And so we have this lawyer, and we ask this question. Jesus responds with a question. Don't you love when people do that? You, you ask them a question and their response to the question. Okay? It, I, I'm just going to kind of talk the fight here this morning. There is going to be a question answered with the question after today. I promise you. And among the people that are here today, there's going to be a question that is asked. And the person answering the question is going to answer with the question. They're going to answer within 30 minutes of this service being over. No one's questioning. What do you want to do? You know what the answer is usually? Just say it again. And that's going to be passed back and forth like three or four times. I don't know. What do you want to do? There was a man that put something out on Facebook. He said, I'm going to create a restaurant called Lifeboat. What do you want to do? And that's the name of the restaurant. So everybody just goes in. It's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? People do that. Um, but the lawyer, after he summarized the two statements, I think it's interesting that that Jesus later on kind of um, joins the two statements: love God with all your heart and all your mind, your strength, your soul, all of that. He says, and likewise, the second is like the first. So he compares love your neighbor with loving God. That's a pretty steep thing. That's a pretty steep comparison to compare loving your neighbor. As loving God, and and we'll we'll show scripture a little bit later. But the problem was intellectually, the lawyer was correct. Right? He was he was intellectually correct. But the problem was it with his intellectual answer. The problem was the heart of the question: Who is my neighbor? There, the issue was because when he asked the question, he was. Something that we tend to hope for when we talk to God. He was hoping for a refund. He was wondering if I ask this question the right way. Because he's a lawyer. They know how to ask questions, leading questions, to get somebody to say something that creates a loophole. And we like to live in loopholes, right? There's times when we pray that we pray our way. We pray God, you know, God, I want you, God, I'm asking you to move this way. What are we doing? We're asking God to operate through our loophole that fits our 
uh, logic that says our mentality is just as important as the open Jesus' answer will be among his mentors. Instead, Jesus takes this opportunity to introduce this parable of the Good Samaritan. And he shows that knowledge to show that Along with that, Jesus is making another point in this parable. He's talking about the two Levites. We look at it in terms of the priest and the Levite. Well, the priest and the Levite have a few words to line up the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan and ask the question of those three, who do you think is loved God? Most of us, most people then would choose the priest and the Levite as they're supposed to love God. But what Jesus is talking about here is kind of the mantra of our church here, what I've said over and over again. It's what we do here is not a religion. We're not religious, we're relational. I mean, I'm, I'm more concerned about having a relationship with Jesus than I am being religious. I don't want to be religious because I can be religious and be dead wrong. But when I have a relationship with the Lord, then He leads me and He guides me and I become a true follower of Him when there's a relationship. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a child following a father through the woods. And, and I, I've done this. I remember as, as a kid, and we used to go coon hunting all the time, you know, coon dogs, and we'd go out and we'd go in the swamp, and we I had my hip waders on, my hip waders, kind of like chest waders. My legs weren't long enough to sit in them. But, and we'd be we'd going to that swamp. I would, my dad would tell me, he said, get right behind me. Why? Because he, in every step he stepped, I would try to put my boot in his footprint because the suction of the swamp wouldn't pull my boot off because he already cleared the way for me to place my feet. And I remember as a kid, and this is how I associate my relationship with the Lord. I remember as a kid, I didn't care what was in front of me. I didn't care what was going on around me. My only focus was putting my feet in my dad's footsteps. And wherever he stepped, I stepped. If he turned, I turned. I could have been walking off the end of the earth if the earth was flat. As long as my dad did, I would have. <laughs> but because I wasn't. And that's the thing we've got. That's a relationship with Jesus. It's not focusing on where we're going, but it's focusing on who's in front and who's leading me. And all we have to worry about, whether we're looking or not, is am I putting my foot where Jesus wants me to put my feet? And Him ordering my steps. And Him leading me. That's a relationship. Then in my life, if somebody stands in my shoes and says, you know what, this thing done is a religion. And they come up out of my grave. That's what we want. But um, that I don't want to be a religious man. Religion claims nature. I've got to have a relationship with my God. He didn't die to be religious. He died for you so that you could have a relationship with Him and, and have one on one talk with Him and He can lead you and guide you and you can spend time together. And, and that's the kind of relationship that He has desired to have with us all along. And if you're somewhere short of that, then 
the good thing is there's grace and there's mercy extended today that you can develop a stronger relationship before you leave this earth. So wherever you're at, the Lord is here. Right? That's why we come together. The Lord is here and He's you know, it's kind of like the, the, uh, another parable where the, the prodigal son, the father was waiting. Uh, at, at the end of the driveway, he was waiting to get home. So the Lord is waiting for us as well. But he wants that relationship with each and every one of us. And so, um, because when you look at it, if all we are is meaningless, it becomes meaningless unless it's accompanied by the love that is expressed towards others through Jesus. We love because he first loved us. Oh, it's funny that, right? And then he goes on and he says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. What I like about Scripture is you've got John and Paul and Peter. I don't remember if they they just kind of throw it out there, take it or leave it, uh, you know, eat it or spit it out, whatever. But so this is the idea. If I, and this is strong, but, but consider this. If I have hate for somebody, every time I say I love God, according to this, I'm right. Again, it goes back to love your neighbor as yourself. It's good. We have these two little parts. We have this life that we're in. We don't get a redo. You know? So he goes on and says, uh, and he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So I wonder, I wrote a question. I wonder if Jesus was here in the physical body. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Here in physical form, if he stood up here and somebody asked the question, Lord, who is my neighbor? And he gave the parable to us as Christians, who would he use? Samaritan wouldn't really fit here, right? I wonder if he would say, you know, there was this man that he went down this road and, and some guys beat him up and threw him off the side. Good Pentecostal uh, guy walked by and passed on the other side. He said, then a little bit later, this good Baptist bloke walked by and, and he, he passed by on the other side. He said, then after those guys passed by and they, they got as far away, he said, this good, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe he uses, you know, this, this mud guy. 
about, and this is the idea, how about instead of trying to solve world problems, solve one person's problem? What about that? What about taking what we would like to do? And so think of this. If you've ever thought of, of, of a way to impact the world, I can, I can make the world a better place if I do this. Think about doing that for one person. How would you do that? I wonder why the two religious figures in the story did that. What made them just look at this man and be struck? Maybe it was out of fear of their own life. Because, you know, this road that he was on was famous for thieves. It was famous for robbers. But what was it? Well, truth be told, I believe it was the same thing that stopped that man from stopping long enough to say yes. Fear. Fear. We get fearful of the investment and cost of mercy. We get fearful of how that's going to let me, let me give you an example here. Church planning. When we, when the Lord called us to start this church, and we, we came here and we moved here and we started meeting people and started talking to people, talking to people in our home, these kind of things, that, uh, we understood that our church, what we were called to do, would be a place of healing. Well, what you may know the, 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 the saying of hurt people, hurt Hurting people, hurt because that's all they know. And so we put ourselves into this. And, and hurting people don't always heal quickly. There are people that check into the ER and they're out in 10 minutes. There are people that stay there for days and days and weeks and months. And we don't determine that. God determines that. And so God has challenged us that, you know what, the investment that I'm calling for you to make is going to require something. And so what happens is when it comes to something that somebody, that God puts in front of us, He gives us an opportunity to invest in their life. We get fearful of being used. Right? We get fearful of getting hurt. We get fearful of the cost that it takes to invest what God has given us into somebody else's life. Because if I'm going to make a difference, I have to take what God's given me and I have to apply it to their life. Fear is What if they take offense to me? What if they need my help? What if emotional drain on my life? What if this requires so much of myself to pour into them? What am, am I going to do? Timothy talked to us about fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God gave us the spirit not of fear, And 
so when, we, when an opportunity to invest in somebody comes along to us, if we judge the talk as too much, we'll walk by it. We'll pass on the other side because we don't want to have that judgment. And what we do is we act like that third servant with the one talent, and we take what God's given us, and we go over here, out of fear, and we bury it. Why? Because we don't want to use it all up, and we don't want to do anything that we shouldn't do, and out of fear, we bury what God has given us to use to help other people. Because we're fearful that we might get empty. We're fearful that this cost is going to be too much. That reality, the reality of that mindset is a reality of death. You know what it does? It screams to God that I can't afford to use what you've given me to help someone else because I won't have enough for myself. You don't worry about what you've got left. Because I own a cattle on a thousand hills. He said, My well never ends. Or I get drained and I get emotionally spent. I understand that, but, but you know what? You'll just trust God. And if we can just put our trust in Him, He's going to supply every need. I don't ever have to worry about running dry. And I can spend my time and my efforts focused on somebody else and applying and investing and putting whatever cost is required into somebody else's life and not worry about what my supply is because if I truly trust Him as Jehovah Jireh in my life, if I truly trust Him as the God who supplies my needs, then I won't fear how low I may feel I'm giving. Because I know this, as I'm busy Every need. Every need. So this is the thing. This is where it gets interesting. 
when people that we're investing in start requiring
high power. He's my person. He's everything I need. And so, even though I may spend something to help somebody else, I know that I'll never learn it. I know that I'll never be forsaken. Because He's with me. I want us to lift our hands this morning and I want us to recommit to trusting Him. In what way? I, I, I want us to recommit to trusting Him as our provider and our supplier. That it, when, when He puts somebody in my way and He puts somebody in my life that requires me to, to invest in them and requires me to spend what God's blessed me with, whether it's my talent, my time, my money, whatever it is that it requires. If, when I spend it, I know that He's going to provide for me and I know that He's going to continue to bless me because I'm doing what He's called us to do. I'm doing His will and His purpose. So with our hands lifted, our eyes closed, why don't we just begin to talk to Him right now and recommit our life to Him and recommit our, our, our every day to Him. That God, as you need me to invest, as you need me to impact people, I'm going to trust you as my provider. I'm going to trust you as my refuge. I'm going to trust you as my, as my supplier because I know you'll never fail me and I know that you'll never, ever, ever forsake me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I will just spend a few moments here as we wrap this service up.